and the beautiful service. And yes, it is so good to be with you here this morning and to be able to share God's Word with you today. I'm going to be really honest, I'm a little bit nervous because I don't do things in person a lot anymore. (laughs) There's usually a screen in front of me when I'm giving a message, so this is beautiful to be in community with you this morning. And in a moment, we are going to look at a Bible passage from the Gospel of Luke that shares with us the story of two sisters who were some of Jesus's closest friends. Now, growing up, my husband and I, we are the oldest siblings of brothers. So it wasn't until we had our own family that we got to experience the joys and struggles of sisters. Right now, at 9 and 12 years old, my daughters, Jaslyn and Kayla, are the best of friends, which amazes me because they couldn't be more different from one another. One is an introvert who loves quiet spaces to do her art, read, knit, and connect with her closest friends. The other is an extrovert who is friends with everyone and loves to talk, sing, do gymnastics, and play the piano. They make a beautiful team, but sometimes these differences do cause tension as both struggle to have their needs met. And of course, as their parents, we get to hear all about it, how the other isn't pulling her weight, how one gets something the other doesn't, and how hard, how very hard it can be to have a sister. (laughs) We see something similar play out in our passage today from the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to read verses 38 through 42 now. It's entitled, At the Home of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Ouch. I'm not sure that's what Martha was expecting to hear. And I wonder if she turned back to the kitchen, rolling her eyes with a heavy sigh, mumbling under her breath, it's so unfair and so very hard to have a sister. Like Jaslyn and Kayla, Martha and Mary are the best of friends, yet they couldn't be more different from one another. And their differences are shown to us plainly throughout Scripture. Martha has a servant's heart. She is a leader and a faithful follower of Jesus. She cares not only for her sister Mary, but also her brother Lazarus. She's hospitable and often welcomes people into her home, including Jesus and his disciples. Yet even among all these people, Martha often feels alone and easily stressed out by all the responsibilities she carries. Mary often sits with her own thoughts, in her own world, no matter what's happening around her. 
Like Martha, she deeply loves Jesus and would do anything for him. The three times we read about these sisters in Scripture, Mary is always sitting next to Jesus, soaking in each moment she is given with him. Although Martha tolerates this for the most part, today she has hit her limits and can no longer just watch Mary sit with Jesus while she serves everyone. And in her frustration, she cries out to Jesus for help, but doesn't get the answer she's expecting. Jesus basically tells Martha that she should be doing what Mary is doing, even uses the word better to describe Mary's choice to sit with Jesus rather than help her sister, leaving Martha hurt, disappointed, frustrated, and very anxious about the logistics right in front of her, like feeding a group of hungry men. Now, I don't think you have to be a sister to recognize and resonate with these feelings around having our own needs met, while also caring for the needs of others, as we all carry a great deal of responsibilities in our lives. And we all know the struggle of asking for help, whether we're asking others or Jesus himself, and not getting the answer we expect or the help we think we need leaving us wondering, like Martha, if anyone, even Jesus, cares. This is the everyday real ache of how long, O Lord. And if left unchecked, over time, what is frustrating and disappointing can lead to feelings and emotions far more detrimental that harden our hearts and close us off from the relationships we were made for. Although Martha in very practical ways is seeking help with the work that needs to be done around the house, there is a deeper motivation being revealed that Martha may or may not be aware of. And it's this deeper motivation that Jesus is pointing her to. Make no mistake, Jesus loves Martha and Mary the same. In our passage today, he is not saying Mary is better than Martha. Just as when my daughters taunt me about which one I love more, competing to be my favorite daughter. I love you both the same. <laughs> Jesus is not playing games here. They are both two of his dearest friends and the very few people he can be both human and divine with. Martha and Mary are the people Jesus wept with. Martha and Mary are the sisters to Lazarus, the man Jesus raises from the dead. And it's with this family and in this home that Jesus spends his last days as a free man, where Mary not only communes with Jesus, but also anoints him with a jar of luxurious perfume in a very prophetic way, preparing Jesus for burial before his own death and resurrection. Their relationship with Jesus is intimate and real. No need for small talk. Jesus wants to get right to the point because he loves Martha and he sees she is struggling. In the first part of our verse, uh, sorry, in the first part of verse 40, we read, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. In the Greek, this is literally translated to mean she is distracted with much serving. Jesus isn't condemning her service. He sees how she is nurturing his people and extending God love, God's love in some very beautiful ways. 
The much serving indicates she's taken on more than she needs to. Not all of her serving is necessary. And rather than serve from a place of love, Jesus is wondering if her service is starting to feel more like a burden, an obligation, a way to control the uncertainties of life. Or is it motivated by guilt or the perceived expectations of others in her culture? Jesus is asking her to assess what is truly necessary. Jesus isn't scolding Martha or asking her to be something she isn't. Clearly, she's been created in this beautiful way to be hospitable and welcoming. Rather, Jesus is giving her permission to focus on and prioritize her life around what is healing and leads to flourishing, not only for herself, but also for others. He's assuring her that in all things she can turn to him, catch her breath, and sit with Jesus, where she'll find rest and be refreshed in mind, body, and spirit. Two and a half years ago, Jesus and I had a similar interaction to this one with him and Martha. And I identify deeply with Martha's servant heart. However, As a wise counselor once told me, sometimes the good things we were made to do get distorted. As a helper and pastor, I've always found it challenging to say no to those in need. I've also found it challenging to set boundaries and see my own needs as valuable as those I'm caring for. Over time, this way of life revealed my anxiety which would come up in the form of negative thoughts, often telling myself I wasn't enough. As a caregiver, I started to worry, over-worry, and feel that the needs of the people I was caring for was all on my shoulders. And more and more, my self-worth came from doing. So I kept myself busier and busier, which actually kept the anxiety at bay. Needless to say, this way of life has had its costs. It has not only taken its toll mentally, emotionally, spiritually, but also physically. Although I honestly learned to live and function quite well with my anxiety, and I would have kept going that way until, as many of you know, I was forced to stop in July of 2020. This was the month my doctor told me and my husband that I had stage two breast cancer. And as you can imagine, this sent my anxiety to its climax and I could no longer ignore my own needs. Although I was crying out to God for health and healing, space to breathe, energy to carry all the responsibilities in my life and vocation, The answer I was getting from Jesus, although not surprising, was not initially what I wanted to hear. Like Martha, Jesus kept nudging me while gently teaching me a hard truth, that caring for others does not include negating our own well-being in mind, body, and soul. And that if I wanted a fighting chance at survival, I could not go back and continue the life I had been living. This journal entry is pictured in the book Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. And I don't think it's too far off from what what Jesus is gently reminding Martha and of all of us 
in our Luke passage today. Along with anxiety, the interaction with Jesus and two of his closest friends involves some really tough emotions that we'd really rather not talk about. We'd rather conceal these emotions. The thing is, these emotions also show up front and center as we journey with Jesus to the cross in this Lenten season. And these emotions have huge impacts on our choices, relationships, how we are in the world, and who we perceive God to be. The big emotions we don't really want to talk about that we see playing out in our passage this morning are the emotions of envy and resentment. Envy starts with the desire for something someone else has. Envy says, I want what you have. I want to be sitting at the feet of Jesus instead of running around trying to meet everybody's needs. Resentment is envy's companion and is a gnawing emotion that asks why. Why don't we have this thing that we want and why do they? Why does Mary get to rest and relax at the feet of Jesus and why don't I? Mary's anxiety also points to these feelings of envy and resentment toward her sister because her deepest need is to be with Jesus, listening to his teaching, being in the presence of love, compassion, mercy, and grace. Innately, whether we know it or not, the everyday real ache of, oh, how long, oh Lord, is the yearning within the deepest and truest parts of who we are to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. Louis Altman, sorry, Louise Altman writes, being in a state of envy, jealousy, and resentment is the polar opposite of feeling safety, tranquility, and equanimity. These emotions enable a state of expansiveness. On the other hand, when we are experiencing envy, jealousy, and resentment, we feel a state of contraction, physically, emotionally, and mentally. When we experience these emotions, our needs are not being met. Envy and resentment can close us off as relational creatures created by a relational God, and this is detrimental to our well-being individually as well as collectively. In this season of Lent, these two emotions of envy and resentment are front and center as we journey with Jesus to the cross. And it's at the tomb of Lazarus with Martha and Mary standing next to him that Jesus seals his fate with the Jewish leaders, whose anxiety, envy, and resentment turn to anger, hatred, rage, and ultimately murder. The Jewish leaders, like Martha, like us, yearn to be in constant communion with God, experiencing his presence, love, compassion, healing, and grace. Yet they are so distracted by much serving that they miss the one who is right in front of them, inviting them to experience the very communion they are trying to achieve. Instead, they hold on tight to their own ways of doing things, feeling threatened by Jesus, leaving their emotions unchecked. In a very real and deeply troubling way, this picture of Jesus on the cross is the picture of unchecked envy and resentment. It's closed, it constricts, 
it tries to control, and ultimately, it destroys. This is not what God wants for you. This is not what God wants for Martha. And thankfully, on the cross, Jesus embodies these painful emotions and reveals the better way. Thankfully for us, this is a picture of forgiveness in the most real and deepest sense that moves us to life eternal, assuring us that our future is secure. Praise God. Yet, even if we know this truth, we believe this truth, we trust this truth, the reality is it doesn't magically take away the negative emotions and painful feelings that make up our stories and human experience. Andy Kolber writes in her book, Try Softer, a fresh approach to move us out of anxiety, stress, and survival mode and into a life of connection and joy. You are not weak for having feelings. You are not less than because you react to the world around you. Your grief, joy, anger, disgust, or fear does not define you, but it is a clue to what's going on inside you. And this is where the beauty happens. As we honor our experiences, we gain more freedom to move through our emotions rather than become stuck in them. Jesus not only invites us, but he wants to sit with us. He wants us to allow him to sit with us with all of our emotions and all of the places where we are crying out, How long, O Lord? And we don't have to look to Mary to see how this is lived out. We can look to Jesus himself, who went to his father time and time again in the midst of a very busy life, surrounded by people who put huge demands on his time and energy. Yet he never missed an opportunity to sit with God, allowing God to join his son in his suffering, assuring him that his father in heaven has got this, has got him, and will take care of all of his needs. In Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, just after Jesus has healed a man with leprosy, we read the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to him, hear him, and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Did Jesus heal every sick person in the multitudes of people that came to hear him and be healed by him? No. Did he provide for the practical needs of every person in the multitudes of people that would follow him? No. Did Jesus meet every person's expectation and demand on him? No. Did Jesus' ministry suffer because he took time to be with God above everything else? Definitely no. Jesus did exactly what he was called to do for the short time he had on this earth. Nothing less and nothing more. Just as each of us who have been called to do some things, but not all things, although we often live as though we can do it all. But at what cost? As we turn to Jesus, even if ever so slowly, as we begin our journey with him to the cross this Lenten season, prayerfully we will start to recognize his leadership, we'll begin to know his voice over and above the voice of anxiety, fear, envy, and resentment. We'll start to find comfort even in the 
real ache of how long, O Lord, as he shapes what is internal as well as external into something less constrictive and more expansive. As many of you know in my own story, I couldn't go back to the life I once knew, nor was that what God wanted for me and my family. Instead, God has led us to make a life out of creating calm spaces of connection for us as well as others through the ministry work of Reclaim. If you're struggling to find time to sit with Jesus, I want to encourage you that this way of life is cultivated in the smallest of choices. Spending even one minute a day sitting with Jesus, being in the presence of his love, compassion, healing, grace, mercy, this all begins to transform and heal our own hearts and minds. In closing, I'd like to share one more quote from Brene Brown in her work in Atlas of the Heart, where she writes, calm is an intention. Do we want to infect people with more anxiety or heal ourselves and the people around us with calm? Calm, please. <laughs> this calm is what Jesus wants for Martha, for Mary, for you, for me, his world, and his church. In the calm, our capacity to see, hear, feel, and know God grows. And this is what we hope we're cultivating through the work of Reclaim. And so I invite you to check out these spaces of calm for yourself this week by going to our YouTube channel, perhaps as part of your Lenten journey. Although some of you may be giving up social media for Lent, so check us out after Lent. <laughs> this is not about shame full self-promotion, honestly. I know it sounds strange, but one of the ways we share God's love, the love that we see on the cross in the year 2023, while collectively creating calm spaces for all beings everywhere, is by hitting the subscribe button, that black button on our YouTube channel. I say that because God has given us a beautiful tool for us in partnership to reveal the better way, as Jesus says. By hitting the subscribe button, you help the YouTube algorithm stretch past our boundaries as we look to reach the ends of the earth with this calm and with God's love. Thank you. Many prayers, many blessings as you sit with Jesus and in your, with your own emotions this Lenten season. May you sense his peace in real and tangible ways as we journey with him to the cross. Now let's close the reading of God's word in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are with us now. We thank you that you want to sit with us exactly as it is, exactly as we are, with all the emotions and feelings we carry in us each day. As we cry out, how long, O Lord, continue to draw close to us as you draw us closer to you. And we pray for calmer moments where we can clearly hear you call us your beloved and start to sense the depth of your great love. Meet us in this place and refresh our souls. By your grace, increase our faith as you reveal more of your character, your voice, and your presence during this Lenten season. May your light shine in this space and fill our hearts with your glory.
We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.